Welcome everybody to the DC Freecast. This is your rebirth special. Um, we are here to talk about the first four issues of DC Rebirth. Be warned, we're going to spoil these issues. If you haven't read them yet, stop the podcast. Go read them and then come back and join us for this discussion. We are going to start with Batman Rebirth number one by Tom King, Scott Snyder, and Michael Jannon. But before we get to that, we have to get to my co-writers on this episode, Zach and Vince. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> Not great, man. I've got diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes that secret. I was, uh, wasn't going to blow up your spot there, Vince. But uh... <laughs> Are you guys ready for a new segment on the show? Brian plays the ocarina. Yeah. Is it shaped just like the one from Ocarina of Time? Uh, kind of. <laughs> for, for, for the purposes play, of this podcast, yes. Can you play um, the, the Song, song, song of, time? of Time? Yeah. I, uh, I promise you this. If I ever am unemployed, I'll learn to play that song <laughs> in the Ocarina. Oh, come on. It doesn't take that long. S- says you. Can you play a bonus? A, a bonus song, a bonus song. Or um, I, I was literally given this. A I'm like ago. really. It's been so long since I've played this. That's well. You got that, it. So. That was it. My only. Yeah. Is there a, is there a horse outside your window now? What an ocarina is from that game. Yeah, that's my like. You, you know, like. I mean, obviously, you can play other things, but anybody, anytime anybody talks about an ocarina, I just turn into a huge jackass. And I'm like, oh, can you play me? Uh, oh, let's see. What are some? Oh, Song of Storms. That's a good one. Yeah. Minuet of Forest. <laughs> How about this? I'll make I'll make a challenge to our, our listeners. If five people email Brian at Multiversity Podcast at MultiversityComics.com, and it can't be you guys. If five people email me and say, learn a song from The Legend of Zelda, The Ocarina of Time, I will do it. <laughs> All right, we got a deal. So, okay, ba- so DC Comics, guys. Yeah, so DC Comics. So Batman Rebirth. Uh, let's let's talk about this. So um, this issue, which will be a theme of another issue we're going to read in a little bit, uh, is co-written by the sort of modern architect of the character. Scott Snyder co-writes this with Tom King. Tom King, who just masterfully tied up the Omega Men last week. Tom King of Grayson and the Vision. And he'll be taking over Batman proper uh, starting in two weeks. So this is this is sort of Snyder helping to guide him through this uh, first issue. And what did you guys think of this first issue? Zach, why don't you go? I thought it was okay. Um, I thought it was probably some of janin's best work that i've ever seen like he's so good i mean his stuff on grace his stuff on grayson was really good but like this was a next level um it seemed a little bit looser to me um did you guys get that like his lines in grayson are really clean but this felt um like like almost like watercolory a little bit well it's a different colorist like a little working with yeah it was it um It's uh, the issue. it's June Chung in this issue. Oh, okay. 
Yes, and um, Cox usually does it, right? Right, and Chung was did the colors for um, those first few arcs of um, Batman Superman, which were fantastic. Yes, yes they were. Uh, right. So I really like that team. Like the the art in this issue was like fantastic. Yeah. Um, oh my god. So like the scene where where Bruce is underwater or under the ice, you know, yes. and like like yeah, that like that's something that I've never seen from from Janin before. Um you know, he like it seems like every time I read a book that he's on, he's getting better and better. Like he hasn't peaked yet. Right. Yeah. And and he was good from you know, I think the first time I saw him was Justice League Dark. Yeah, same here. Yeah, and I and I loved him back then, but like he's only gotten more fluid since then, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm with you guys. The art was, in this issue was fantastic. Yeah. Now, as far as the story goes, I'm a little. I mean, it's you know, it's not like huge or groundbreaking or anything. Um, it was cool seeing Calendar Man in like yeah. a really creepy way. That was like a very, I felt like that was Snyder's hand in that. Um, very that was like a very Snyder handling Absolutely. of that villain. Um, but he also like was such a small part of the issue anyway. Um, I feel like the big like thing that we're going to talk about probably is Duke. Yeah. Before we get to Duke, because I, I do want to talk about Duke quite a bit here. Um, one of the weirder things that Rich Johnston was saying before Rebirth was that he had it on good authority that Alfred was going to have his hand back. And he does. Do we ever know how that happened? Or are we just supposed to believe that he (laughs) grew back? Uh, Wasn't that in... It happened in Batman 51, I think. Yeah. Or maybe maybe 52. One of those. I, I I I haven't read those. I think it was fifty one. Like they kept his hand on ice. Oh, okay. Or something. No, they got a they got a donor hand. Oh, okay. Something, donor something like that. Yeah. Okay, I didn't read that, so that that would explain yeah. it. I just kept thinking of that. It's one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons when uh, <laughs> when Homer gets his arms stuck in the vending machines, uh-huh. and the fireman says, "Homer, there's no easy way to say this. I'm gonna have to saw your arms off." And Homer goes, "They'll grow back, right?" And then it goes, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and that's all I can think of is that Alfred's hand just grew back. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that you bring that up, though, because... <laughs> that episode of The Simpsons? <laughs> no, the Alfred's hand. Okay. Um, because this issue is very much about the cycle. And, I mean, it's a little bit on the nose, because at one point Bruce is talking to... Uh, Lucius Fox about their for the Wayne fortune and he Lucius found a way to get Bruce the fortune back you know which was the most like Charlie Brown wave your hands in front of the Christmas tree and fix it thing in the yep. in, in the universe well yeah. he, he literally, he literally said like, like I pulled some legal strings and yada 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 <laughs> yeah the, you know the <laughs> the bisque was good you know <laughs> but <laughs> but uh but no um you know, and Bruce says something like, "Oh, it's a new calendar. It's like the seasons; they're always changing, but they come back again." You know, and that's like the theme of the whole issue, which was like part of it was really on the nose, but I also liked that because um, 
because that that's what rebirth is again you know like yeah of course alfred has his hand back of course bruce has his fortune back like you know like it or not there's bruce wayne is always going to be batman at some point you know like like i i know some people don't like that and and you know i can argue the the merits and the and the faults of it but it's always going to come back around because that's because bruce wayne is batman you know right that's just the way it is and and so it's interesting you bring that up about his hand because this whole issue was kind of like okay here we go again here's the cycle starting again and but but what i like about it is that at one point we'll talk about this with duke but bruce says well i'm trying something new and so there's always a cycle going on in these comics over and over again like it or not but there's always an opportunity to try something new too and i think this issue you know, it like Zach said, it didn't really like the plot didn't really bully you over or anything, but it was good in the way that Batman is kind of always good, right? I mean, like, yeah, you know, I think my biggest problem with this issue, and and problem is a is a strong word for it, but I think that it just felt so much like what we've seen from Batman before that I wasn't as taken with it as some of the issues that maybe put out bigger stories this week, things I hadn't seen before, things that I wasn't familiar with. Um, but that's not to say it was a bad comic. It was a pretty good comic. It was a, to me, this felt far more Scott Snydery than it did Tom Kingy. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, don't know if you I guys agree. agree with that. And, uh, so, yeah, I do. I'll be interested to see what it's like, um, when it's just King. Um, which is something, you know, we'll get into the other comic this week that kind of a similar situation. Yes. Is it time for Duke chat? Yeah, let's, it's let's Duke chat time. Talking Duke with the DC three. Let's Duke it up. Oh, I was going to say that. You beat me to it. Okay. Put, put up your Dukes. Something, something Vince's Dukey. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, we find out in this issue that Duke is, you know, being groomed to be a new sidekick, but not a Robin. Batman's trying mm-hmm. something new. We get that very, very sharply designed Duke costume. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we don't have a name for so cool. him yet, but it's a very cool looking costume. If he's not Batboy, smart. <laughs> I mean, I kind of love. Was- the idea of Bat Boy, but I, but it's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna I, uh, happen. What wasn't he Lark in in uh, in Scott Snyder's oh, run yeah. at one point? In like so, one yeah. of the uh, that was like a one of the flash forwards. Oh yeah, somewhere. that's yeah because the, the that's was that when, the detective comics. No, that was the um the future's end issue where Bruce was like totally beat to shit and was practically That's... crippled and was in like a super bat suit that helped him stand up and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then all that was reset with him, you know, and the Joker quote dying and then being reborn and all that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess he was Lark for a while. Do we think we're going to see, is that going to be his new name? You think? I don't know. I don't think I... so. He's got like the bat logo on his mask yeah that's true like, you know to be honest i, I don't really care what they call him like yeah you just call him duke 
Dukey. Dukester. <laughs> the Dukeinator. <laughs> Dukarama. <laughs> Fighting crime. Um, oh God! I uh, I will say this that uh, there's there's a nice, um, like Batman's costume in some ways is ve- very utilitarian, where everything has a function to it and everything has a purpose to it, and it's purposely dark so you can blend into the shadows. And this Duke costume isn't blending into anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's my one knock on it. It doesn't seem very, uh, shadowy. But maybe that's the point. Maybe this is is trying something new. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's a very sharp-looking costume, and I wonder who designed it. Uh wasn't it uh, Declan Shalvey? I was not aware of that. I believe it was. I believe he confirmed that on Twitter today. Oh, good for Declan. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like his work a lot. Um, all right. So to to wrap up this segment, we have a system of rating things on this show called Pull Pirate and Pulp. What are you doing with this issue, boys? Uh, I'm pulling it, I guess. I, 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 first of all, Omega Man, like that ending was so good that I'm gonna follow Tom King to the ends of the earth, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But and so I'll follow him into Batman for sure. And uh, and I don't think he didn't do anything to dissuade me, you know. I mean, yeah, maybe it wasn't the most exciting rebirth, but. Um, but I liked it. It was good. It was good in that way that Batman's always good. Yeah, I would say the same. Um, I won't. Uh, it's kind of tough. Like this issue, kind of like you said, Brian. It was the the least um, like different. I think of the four issues from you know from what came before. It felt the the least rebirthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't really like hold that against the issue. The issue was like a very like, you know, rebirth aside, it was a very good issue. Um, the art was fantastic. Tom King is, you know, has clearly proven himself. And yeah, I would not stop reading this, this book, you know? Yeah. I think that if you take all of the elements of the book and put them together, you get a, a pull, but I think this issue Maybe as a pirate for me, story wise, art wise, it's definitely can, a pull. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Uh, okay, that brings us to our second issue, uh, Green Arrow Rebirth number one, written by Mister Ben Percy and illustrated by uh, Otto Schmidt. It is Otto, right? I'm not making that up. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Okay, it, it didn't sound right coming out of my mouth. Yeah, Otto Schmidt. <laughs> He um, likes to get Plato. <laughs> nice to Simpsons poll. We are uh, we're, do- we're doing that a lot tonight. We are doing that a lot tonight. Um, <laughs> so we started with we started with Janin's art on uh, Batman when we talked about it, uh-huh. and I, I think we need to start with Otto Schmidt's art on this because he is far and away the reason to read this book. I think. Oh gosh, it's so pretty. Yeah, so it's good. Really, yeah, it's expressive and it's unique. And it manages yeah. to do like four different things at once. Like, so if you just open the book up to the first couple of pages, 
you you're instantly given this juxtaposition between the high life and the and the life on the streets and each one looks convincing and interesting and then you get Ollie jumping out and he just looks iconic and it's beautiful and then you turn to Dinah and Dinah's a little bit more rougher it's just I feel like his style changes with every panel in a really good way um this book is beautiful it's yeah, so well drawn in a week with yeah in a week with like some really stellar proven artists like even as good as Janin is and and Batman and some you know some of the other books we'll talk about like I think this book artistically might have been my favorite of the four yeah I I could agree with that it's certainly number one or number two I don't I Janin's work is so good I don't know if I can discount it but yeah it's definitely one or two yeah, it's just oh man, it just blows me away. Like, I mean, it starts with Ollie and Dinah, and they look great. Like, they both look awesome. And then, like you said, the settings and uh, well, you know, once you get underground, um, oh, it's just it's so good. It's so good. It's so expressive. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shame the dialogue is so ham-fisted. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here, here's so here's my thing about this. Like, this contains a handful of moments that I really want out of a Green Arrow book. You know, like this is the green. This is the Oliver Queen I want to read. You know, um, but but then you know, it. What you get in the script is it reminds me of um the robot devil from Futurama <laughs> to, to pull another Matt Groening cartoon. Uh, when he says, you can't just have your characters uh, yelling about how they feel, that makes me angry. (laughs) (laughs) That's really what this is. Like, like, it's literally Dinah and Ollie, like, telling each other their characterizations. I may not have any special powers. I might be young. I might be a loudmouth. I might have a lot to learn. But don't underestimate me. (laughs) Come on. And then Dinah pulls out, like, so far, Seattle appears as neglected as that heroin-addicted partner you used to have. <laughs> Who would ever say that? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, I like I get it. He's he's packing a lot of of character of rebirth of character and like getting back to these core elements in this issue. But like, he's doing it through these very weirdly specific and unnatural dialogue bubbles. You know, you mean derelict. <laughs> yeah yeah i you know i felt like of all of the rebirth issues like this is the one that like there's a status quo that they want to get to and they don't really care how they get there it's like people want ollie and dinah back together so kind of like in batman you know you get some magic hand waving this is only like the second time that they've ever been around each other, but we're dealing with them like, you know, with the understanding of like years worth of stories, you know? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, like on one hand you have to critique it for that, but also it's like, well, this is what I want. And I I know the stories from here. Very good. Like this is where we need to be. And, I really like, lo- like logically, do I want to like sit through a year's worth of them 
getting to know each other again. No, not really. Abs- no, absolutely not. Oh, that's a great point, Zach. That's a really good point. Yeah, I I agree with with everything that Zach said, and uh, I think this is a book that there might have been like I I could picture there being a checklist in a very um, New Yorker's handwriting. Let's put it that way. That that says like you have to reference Speedy, you have to reference um, like the fact that he doesn't have any superpowers. You have to reference yeah, you had to bring in the, the island. The island, you had to bring in the forest from Brightest Day for whatever fucking reason. You have to, uh, you have to give him the goatee. It was a really pretty forest. It was, it's a beautiful forest. Um, it really is. But you know, like <laughs> there might have been like you know six things that they had to get in, and I feel like there might have been more artful ways to do those. But ultimately, if this is where the book's going to build from, and this is sort of the basement of the apartment building where you store all the shit you never want to look at. <laughs> and so that's where all these little weird references are being thrown around and all that. Then I am okay with it. I just hope that the hokiness of the dialogue goes away. Yeah, there's like, um, you know, not to knock like Percy, he's a novelist. I've never read any of his novels or anything, but I do feel like, like having read enough, comics like like this like when a novelist trans transitions over to comics it's not like always a smooth transition you know it's a different medium you have to adapt to like the different pacing um i think we saw that in like uh what what world's end with mm-hmm. daniel, daniel H. Wilson. Wilson. yeah yeah um, um but i mean like I, i'll be interested to see like how it goes now that like you said kind of like the foundation is set um because it does seem like it is i think you know the best place that the character's been since like gosh oh the, since before since before who, who did that run like a run, yeah who did the run right before that it was like after winnick or was it winnick all the way up till that i don't know I don't remember. Was there a Diggle in there at all? Diggle did year one in there. Yeah. yeah. There was like, there was a while where like it was Green Arrow and Black Canary was the book. Yes, that was that was before uh, Roy lost his arm. Yeah, all of that stuff happened. Um, the like Cry for Justice stuff happened. Um, and then we got Brightest Day in the Crawl book. Um, but yeah, I would say like this is the best it's been since that book. For that sure. Era yeah, era. I agree. Uh, pull pirate or pulp? Uh, p- pirate, just just because of the... I mean, I, I like I said, I like this. This is the Oliver Queen I want. Uh, but I don't need, like, you know, him standing up from a dinner and saying it was a bit rich for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like... Like that's that's Schwarzenegger in. <laughs> I would say it's more Rainer Wolf Castle in. Thank you. I I forgot our theme tonight. Yeah. Did you think it was before we get the rest other your uh, your opinions on the on pirate pole or pulp? Uh, did what about the court of owls being down in that underground 
I mean, this is like Oliver Queen's yeah. version of the Court of Owls, and then there was the owl guy. Well, so were those all? Yeah, there was like one like clearly Court of Owl guy, like he had just you know the regular Court of Owl mask, but then there were all those other ones that looked kind of owlish, yeah. but weren't, and then some that weren't owly, like the big red one. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know what to how to take that. Four Chan users. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were just supposed to symbolize, like, the underworld. Yeah. But didn't that part remind you of the beginning of the Black Mirror, the Snyder, Dick Grayson Batman, where there's, like, the underground, uh, like, arms dealer thing that he sneaks into? Oh, yeah, 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 where they were selling the crowbar. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's been so long since I've read that. I need to... I need to read that again. I just I read it book. recently. Yeah, it's great. It's, uh, to me, it's the best thing Snyder's ever done, hands down. I Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I'm going to pirate this for the artwork, and because, like Vince said, this is the type of Ollie story I want, even if it's not quite the Ollie story I want yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'll say pirate as well, but like I'm so close to, to pulling it. All it would take is like one solid issue and i'd be i'd be all in on this and I, by solid i mean you know just like i you know like uh, ollie and dinah going to pound just, town yeah yeah <laughs> no, not that kind of pound town oh goodness pound town is a new Maybe. pound cake it's a new pound cake boutique in uh in seattle <laughs> it's, it's like cupcake shops but for 2016 <laughs> If this was, if this was Ollie and Dinah running a cupcake, a little cupcake place in Seattle, I'd be all in. Yeah, for sure. I'd pull that so hard. I feel like it's a vegan cupcake place, but occasionally Ollie puts like makes like a maple bacon cupcake, and Dinah yeah. gets mad, and he's like, yeah. "I'm sorry, I love bacon." Wow, oh, man. I- yeah, it just writes itself, really. Like, <laughs> it really does. <sighs> that's how you know a story is like really good when it, <laughs> it just you don't even have to try. Yeah, yep. you're just the conduit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, we're never gonna top that. Let's let's move over to Green Lantern's Rebirth number one. This is written by Jeff Johns and Sam Humphreys, with art by Ethan Van Skyver and Ed Bennis. And um, this is this is an issue that I, I think is is really interesting because again it's sort of the modern architect of the character and the new series writer working together to get the status quo in line before the series launches. Um, for those that don't know, it features the two newest Green Lanterns, uh, Simon Vaz and Jessica Cruz, and. It's essentially their buddy cop book. Um, This issue, to me, since we're starting with art tonight, which is great. I love starting with the art. I think this is the weakest artistically of the four issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Part of that might just be my relationship to Ethan Van Skyver's art, where I'm not a a huge fan of his stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Ed Bennis is a right. He is not my favorite artist either. I think both of them actually work better 
in the Green Lantern books than they do almost any place else in DC right now. Yes. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, even if it's not something I'm particularly thrilled about seeing, I think they do mm-hmm. a, a good enough job with it. The art was never like um, painfully distracting to me. No. no. Yeah. You know, which isn't saying all that much, <laughs> but but that that's certainly how I feel. Um, I, yeah. I, found, I found it interesting that I could not, and normally I don't have this problem, but I could not distinguish whether it was Van Skyver or Benna's uh, drawing. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I really couldn't. Oh. And like, I, 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 I thought it, I, like, you did? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't oh. Benna's do all of the, um, like, essentially the stuff that is not super heroic? Like, yeah, like he handles Jessica and Simon like at home. Okay. Yeah, and I think See, he even yeah. covers like part of the fight with the the Manhunter. Yes, he Hal does. Shows up. Yeah, exactly. See, I totally, I could not tell. See, like, I mean, my my relationship with like Van Skyver are, I definitely like think the Van Skyver of ten years ago is different than the one we have now. Um, but like my like affection for his Green Lantern stuff is still fairly strong, and like seeing him on this, um, I thought it was nice. Um, like it did take me back to Rebirth, you know, like the original Green Lantern Rebirth a little bit, and some of the imagery. Like I just, you know, like. To me, like, he was the guy who, like, really made, you know, like, the badges, like, coming off of the, you know, that kind of, like, iconography and imagery just so, so memorable. And, like, seeing that here was really cool. So maybe less, like, from a, like, critically artistic standpoint, more just from a, like, nostalgic, you know, all the things that Rebirth is trying to play off of. I thought, like, that was really strong. I thought... You know, that was there in full force, for me at least. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. I just, my whole problem with uh, Van Skyver's art is, to me, it all looks so posed. It definitely does, yeah. And like that was my biggest problem with Flash Rebirth, was mm-hmm. like, it, there was no conveying speed whatsoever. Yeah, and that's not as much of a problem here because of the type of book it is. But I just think that everything Mm -hmm. he, every panel he draws is just so posed and overworked. At least for my taste in comics. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. There's like that that page, and it's like one of the ones that stands out the most in my mind, like the most memorable. But it's like completely posed. It's the one where, um, and it's kind of like when you think about it, it's like hilariously like nonsensical where like Hal's like okay pull out your lanterns and they both pull out their lanterns and like Jessica's like I didn't even know I had this yeah. but I still magically like pulled it out and they're just like it's all so posed yeah but I magically pulled it out while my arms are completely at opposite sides and I'm mid stride but I'm not moving exactly yeah but like I, I don't know like that that in my mind is kind of just him and Ivan Reyes, you know, like defined Green Lantern for me for a time. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like 
iconography and that that vision like fits in with my you know my view of or like my idea of green lantern mm-hmm. um so I, I i enjoyed it but can like definitely concede that it's you know this was definitely like the book with the least impressive art of the week um but i still and i was glad he was on the book um which like I haven't enjoyed a lot of his Green Lantern stuff recently. Like on the like on the Venditti run, some of the like fill-in issues he's done. Mm-hmm. This felt like a kind of, you know, a heart hearkening back to the the beginning of Green Lantern again for me, you know. I could see that. Um so again, we have Jeff Johns on the book, and I think Jeff Johns probably acts more of just like the the encyclopedia on Green Lantern at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, probably was there as a creative consultant in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly. You know, there are parts of it that definitely felt very, um, very Johnsy, I guess. The intro, the opening, yes. yes. Um, but I think Sam Humphreys really came through here. I do too. There was some humor there um, yes. that felt less Johnsy and had like it had to have to me it felt like it had to have been Humphreys coming through because he, from what I like know about him, is like a pretty you know jovial guy, pretty like comedic. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, that one of my favorite parts was when uh, <laughs> when uh, Jessica Cruz first shows up to the crash site and and Baz is there and and uh, they're confused about who the Lantern of twenty eight fourteen is, you know. Yeah. And, and then uh, <laughs> Simon says, you know, so who died because so. somebody always dies, you know. I hope it was yeah. Guy Gardner, you know. <laughs> yeah just perfect you know that's just like because i do too like i hope guy dies so um, oh (laughs) he's the worst no he's the worst send send me all your hate listeners (laughs) and uh, and co-hosts not cool dude i do feel like yeah like comparing this to batman which i felt snyder's hand in a lot more I do agree that this seems like John was taking more just kind of like an architectural role, just kind of guiding him along rather than it. it I don't know. It, it was nice to get a bit more of the, the voice of the incoming writer. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of liked that they referenced the justice league in this. Oh Yeah. Because those the, these lanterns are going to be the the lanterns in Justice League, mm-hmm. and I kind of like the idea of like you know, it it was one panel and one line, but it connected things nicely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like one of the things that the New Fifty Two was missing, and and of course uh, this isn't true across the board, but it just felt like it. It felt like any time you you had a character from another book showing up. It, they had to make a big deal out of it. Like, it was going to be on the cover. It was going to be in the solicit. Like, you know, it's a crossover with whoever, you know. And I miss the DCU where, like, all of a sudden, 
it's a solo title, but they're just hanging out with the Justice League today, you know? Right. And, like, to see them, it was like, oh, okay, like, they, they feel like they're part of something again. And then there's the editorial box at the end that says, you know, for, for Hal Jordan's next adventure, read Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps July 13th or whatever. And, like, again, editorial boxes never completely disappeared, but they've been used a lot less in modern comics, right? Like, would you agree? Well, I, I feel like it was usually used to point you to something you probably didn't read, mm-hmm. as opposed to pointing you in the direction of where you should go next. Yes, there you go. And that's, I want to see more of that, just because it's, not only is it, I mean, it's it's such a small thing, but it really feels like comics when that happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And And then, like, not only that, but it's it's less confusing for the reader because believe it or not, there are people out there that are confused by this shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Not, not everybody obsesses over this like we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh pull pirate or pulp? Pull. I'll pull it. I'm like a hard Green Lantern mark. So Yeah, yeah me too. All I think yeah. all three of us are pretty pretty I think all three of us really want the Lantern books to be good. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all pretty bummed out that Rob Venditti is still doing the Hal Jordan book. So if this has to be my Green Lantern book for the next couple months, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm like my only like I don't I don't know. This is kind of I feel like this is gonna be hypocritical for me to say this because my least favorite thing is that about the issue is that they're like retreading with the like rehashing the Red Lanterns again because I feel like that's been so overdone. Agreed. Um, but the like thing I liked most is that, you know, the beginning, um, like the hook at the beginning, which is also just kind of like a rehash of every other Green Lantern story we've gotten in the next 10, the last 10 years, you know, like some kind of secret guardian plot with lots of spectrum stuff. Oh, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with any of that. I it's, it's interesting. You know, so I, I've been a Green Lantern fan literally my whole life, right? For yeah. for a, an incredibly long time, and I feel like the the color spectrum is still kind of novel to me mm-hmm. because I grew up for so long without the color spectrum as as a point of contention in the book, um, and so when it's used properly, I still really love it i still think it's a great convention to pull out here and there i'm glad that it's not the only thing happening in the lantern books anymore though yeah so all right um i'm gonna pull this also so there we go and we are on to our last issue of the night we are on to superman rebirth number one this one was written by peter tomasi and illustrated by uh, Doug Monkey. Um, was this co-scripted by Pat Gleason? I think so. He's not on the cover, but let's see what it says in the back of the book. Where is the title page? Where you at, title page? It's like pretty far in. I think it's like in the middle somewhere. There it is. Yeah, it does say... Peter Tomasi and Patrick Leeson. So yeah, they're he's on this too. Um, so this issue, uh, you know, has pretty much the uh, 
I guess the the retelling of the pre Flashpoint Superman origin, not even origin, just I guess the retelling of the death of Superman, right? It's mm-hmm. like a six page retelling of that entire year long <laughs> uh, Dan Jurgens book. Oh, they found a way to Jurgens us this week. They Jurgens. <laughs> And they found a way to uh, to make it palatable. It didn't seem incredibly tiresome to read that. No, yeah, I'm yeah. You um, guys, they're finding new like creative ways to Jergens us and just <laughs> like it. Yeah, <laughs> and I got all Jergens up and enjoyed it. Yeah, I I gotta say, um, uh, so Doug Monkey was on this right, and mm-hmm. um, I saw some people talking about how stiff these the scenes were uh with the doomsday fight and everything but i thought that they were actually superior to like the original art <laughs> that was that was on that uh in that comic and i thought like it did a really good job of reconveying and recontextualizing these kind of iconic moments from a very what was really a, a long run you know it was yeah mm-hmm. well yeah and i'm i almost kind of like that i i mean it is kind of stiff because it's like it's a retelling you know it's almost like a a picture book-esque or like you know cave drawings or you know something like retelling a story that we're all already familiar with i and agree i, I kind of Zach. like that idea yeah. you know it's more about the imagery than it is yes because i mean we've already seen it yep yeah, to me, it was like the, uh, it was like watching the news and seeing like still photos of this iconic event. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that's that's a perfect analogy. Um, so I didn't mind that. I actually thought that the stiffness in the whole issue was very appropriate. That I think if you look at the body language between Clark, between pre Flashpoint Clark and post New Fifty Two Lana, it's very awkward. <laughs> and I think that's great. It should be. She thinks she sees Clark and it's not him. And it's this, you know, he's keeping her at arm's length. To me, the whole thing was very, I thought that the the perceived stiffness was all intentional. Yeah, I mean, and, and if not, it just, it worked. I mean, it worked for me. I, I yeah, I thought the art was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'll say that this, you know, we said that maybe Batman was the least interesting book of the week or the least fresh. I, I thought this, I, I really enjoyed it the first time I read it. And then I read it again um, after having read all the other rebirth books that have come out. And I ended up liking it a little less because it's so much more obviously. And they admit like, Tomasi admits this. It's so much more a bridge from the New Fifty Two to Rebirth than any of those other books are, mm-hmm. in like a mechanical sense. Well, yeah, they're like literally. You know, we already talked about they retold the death of Superman pre New Fifty Two, but they also go over the death of the New Fifty Two Superman again. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, if you were if you've been following that, that just happened last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's longer ago, but you're right. (laughs) Yeah. So like, here's what I think. It is relying really heavily on that stuff. Yeah. 
I think in some ways we have to discount the important... I, I say this as a guy hosting a fucking podcast about this. I think we have to kind of discount the rebirth issues to a certain point because the point of the rebirth issues is to get us to a place where we can start these stories. And mm-hmm. for for something like Batman, it doesn't have to do anything so they can give us a fun like diversion backstory because Batman's not changing. Mm-hmm. You, you get a, you give us a little bit more of an idea of who Duke is and you've you've accomplished the point of the issue. Green Lanterns, you have to establish the relationship there. Green Arrow, you have to let people know that this is different than the Green Arrow they've seen recently. But with Superman, there's so much more there. It's a different guy starring in Superman number one than starred in yeah. Superman number 52 three weeks earlier. Yeah. There's more yeah. heavy lifting to do. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, it's just it's just that this is more about the mechanics of Rebirth than... than... But think about how excited you were when you first read this, Vince. You were going on about this book. You loved it. And I, I, and I think it's because it felt... We, so, so to take you guys behind the curtain here a little bit, we read this book a few weeks ago because we were getting ready to, to interview um, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Leeson about this book. So we read this book before we read DC Universe Rebirth number one. This was the first Rebirth stuff we had read. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. when you take it in that context, it looked like Rebirth could have been anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think now that we know what Rebirth is and we see the constraints of it, it's less free-willing, free freewheeling and fun. But I, I also think it's surprising how little uh, – you don't even have to know what Rebirth was to get what this is. You know, like knowing, knowing the, the, mac, the, the machinations of Rebirth doesn't help this book at all, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Like there, it's got nothing to do with – I mean we still don't even know why Rebirth is actually happening, like the details of it. And, uh, you know, Superman Rebirth has almost nothing to do with it. Am I, I mean, it, it might they, it might be that they dovetail, but, like, New 52 Superman dying at this point seems to have nothing to do with the rest of that stuff. Although I have an interesting theory about that. Sure. Would you like to hear it? I do. So, the, are you guys familiar with the 1971 story about the Sandman Superman? No. Uh, not really. I know they kind of like, don't they kind of reference that in one of the Future's End issues? I don't remember if they do. All, all I did was Google Superman and Sand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to, try, to try to figure out like why Superman might have turned to Sand, you know? And it turns, because that's a very specific thing to do, have happen, right? Yes. Like, oh, he's he's sand now like he's not you know they specifically mentioned multiple times that he's a pile of sand <laughs> and in 1971 uh there was a there's a saga that happened right before they tried to reinvent superman okay where superman had to battle this this other superman that was essentially made out of sand and every time that the Superman made of sand became like more powerful or took on more of Superman's powers or, or, or 
persona essentially he would sap power from what, what we thought of as the actual Superman okay so then once the sand Superman was defeated at the end they were left with this sort of like more lithe uh, weaker Superman with less powers and then that's what they were going to move forward with so in a way, this is almost like like I read that and I thought that that's kind of the same thing that's happening here. Like one Superman dies, so another could live. That's interesting. So I wonder if it's intentionally harking back to that, or if there's something more specific going forward with the sand. Like like you know, all the heroes appeared in the hourglass in that rebirth thing. Like could it have something to do with sand in an hourglass? Well, or you, Sandman is going to come back. Or, or fight Dr. Manhattan. Or God, you, oh my but. God, Jack. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, or is it like like Superman in sand? Is it like the face of Mars? Like the face that's on Mars, you know? Like Superman is the face on Earth right now. There's a face on Mars. Dr. Manhattan's on Mars, you know? Like, like how deep could this rabbit hole go? Do you want to hear my honest opinion about this? It's nothing. Well, so I think there was a meeting in the DC offices, and they were like, what should we do with Superman? And a voice yelled out, he's sand now, fuck it. (laughs) What voice was that? I don't know. I don't know. A voice, a beautiful voice came like a bell in the wind, and, uh, you know. Superman, you shall become sand. He's sand, who gives a shit? Let's move on. And then that's how it became sand. All right. Well, I'm sorry I wasted your time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I actually think that's a very interesting theory. Um, I think, I think it's maybe giving DC a little bit too much credit, but I, um, I do I had, like. I had forgotten about those hourglasses, and I really am banking on the Sandman thing now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, my, my best bet with it is just that they wanted to find a way. Like to to me, there's something just very sleek and elegant about the little like urn, for lack of a better word, that they're carrying him around in. <sighs> uh, and they wanted to find a way to get him there, and they realized they probably couldn't cremate Superman. Right. So he just turned to sand. So he turned to sand. <laughs> yeah. Because comics. Exactly. Because comics. Um. I'm pulling this one. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Same. So I'm I'm gonna do what you did for Batman, Brian, and I'm gonna say based on the I'm gonna say the rebirth issue alone is like a pirate. Because mm-hmm. I mean I liked it, I did, but like I don't I'm less interested in the mechan I'm so not interested in the mechanics of rebirth, and I'm more interested in all right, we're here, let's move forward, and let's let's actually move forward this time, you know, no more false starts, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm pulling. Superman because like I believe in the team and the issue was fine you know and and I know that what's about to come is even better you know so I'm I'm pulling the series but this issue was after reading the other three I thought ah this one was less impressive than I thought it was okay originally that, that's a fair opinion I did like that that Superman made the statue to honor new 52 Superman uh 
next to his parents that are holding up his testicles in the <laughs> Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> Look, we all need support, okay? You you ran a marathon. You're familiar with support. He doesn't have did, the yeah. red trunks anymore. He's lacking in support. There we go. That, that's why he needs his parents to hold his balls up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. I, I saw somebody on Twitter today say that uh, Dr. Manhattan was going to show up wearing Superman's red trunks. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I would, I would I so really mad. actually like, no, I would love that. That'd be great. How great would that be if that was the plot? Point, if that's why they fought. They had to fight to get his underwear back. Give me back my oh trunks. My Come get as them. As long as, as long as super, as like, as long as Superman rips those shorts off, and you get to see Manhattan's dick one last time. <laughs> I want you to see this with your own eyes. <laughs> oh, wow. What a weird I, night. I, I hope that, that that when they when they in 2016 draw Doctor Manhattan's dick, <laughs> that they do it with pubic hair that resembles Alan Moore's beard. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Better yet, what if he has what if his pubic hair looks like Alan Moore's beard and he has a tattoo of Alan Moore's head <laughs> above? <laughs> oh shit! Oh, no. Oh god damn. That's good. <laughs> How are we not running DC? I don't I don't know. Multiversity saves the DCU. All right. Oh, next week, it. next week boys, we have the return of the original numbering of Action Comics and Detective Comics. We have Aquaman Rebirth, we have Flash Rebirth, we have Wonder Woman Rebirth. Whew. Another big week. A big uh, week. Hey, everybody, we're all getting Jurgens. Yeah. Uh, until next week, though, where can people find our Dr. Manhattan's dick hot takes? Uh, you can find mine on Twitter <laughs> at Brian Needs a Nap. You can find me on the toilet <laughs> for the time being at VJ underscore OSTROWSKI. And I'm at SirFox89. This is gonna be uh this is gonna be quite the ride here, guys. <laughs> getting started. Just getting more, started. More fun than uh than than Villains Month already. Oh gosh, like can you imagine? like this is like this is just a blessing, you know? Like oh. this is DC like finally like, you know what, those guys <laughs> <laughs> throw them a bone. They've been through a lot. <laughs> they have <laughs> They've been through a lot. Let's let's make sure they get taken care of here. I gotta say, how nice was it to only have four books? Yeah, like, I really, like, this release schedule is just so much more manageable. Well, it's manageable for now. I mean, in, in three weeks, it's gonna fuck it all up, because we're gonna have all these books plus new ones. Well, right, right, but, right but... But we're only talking about the new ones, right? Or, or what, well, how are we... what, what I mean is, like, we're gonna have, like, in two weeks' time, we're gonna have... Uh, Superman number one, but I think we're also going to have another Rebirth number one. Oh, uh, yeah. I th- yes. I think... 
Well, we, oh, maybe you're right. Yeah. I'm trying I to see. It was pretty staggered. Well, I feel like Titans is the only one that's off because it doesn't have a issue like a number one this month. It's just the rebirth issue. Right. I think the like this month, this week's, and then like Action Detective, Wonder Woman, Flash alternate with each other. Yes. And then I don't know where like Aquaman. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, we get. Aquaman, Flash, Wonder Woman next week. Then we get okay. then the next week. The only new one, the only rebirth number one after that is Titans, June fifteenth. Yeah. And then we don't get another rebirth title until July. We get Justice League Rebirth on the sixth, then Hal and the GLC and Nightwing on the thirteenth, then Batgirl and the Birds of Prey and Hellblazer on the twentieth, Red Hood on the twenty seventh. Suicide Squad on the 3rd of August, Deathstroke on the 10th, Supergirl on the 17th, Blue Beetle on the 24th. We don't get... The next time there are two books on the same... After next week, only two more times we get two books in the same week. Ah. Two Rebirth books. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, Can you imagine the week where we just have to talk about Red Hood? <laughs> like that's all we got. I like Dexter Soy's art. Yeah, he I la- like I like Bizarro. He launched yeah, that too. He launched the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel book with Kelly Sue DeConnick. He did. He did. He did. And it was fantastic. Yeah. Although his Steve Rogers kind of looked like a scroll. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he maybe, is. Hail maybe Hydra. he is a scroll. <sighs> There's no better place to end this podcast than Hail Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. Hail Jurgens. <laughs> oh. He's been Jurgens the whole time. <laughs> <laughs>